0: Take a moment and close your eyes, taking a deeper step inside your internal process. Finding your breath, finding the space between moments of doing and moments of not doing. Breathing in and breathing out expanding the opportunity to be at rest finding the art of doing not doing breathing in and breathing out extending the present moment with each breath in and with each breath out. Exploring this active process of doing, not doing. Feeling the nuance, the subtle shifts, the grounding, and the peace that comes over you. Breathing in, and breathing out. And before we go ahead and start our doing for the day or the not doing for the evening, I give yourself a moment to gather your thoughts, scan your body, and check in with your emotional heart. Hi, it's Ryan. Welcome to your weekly dose of The Psychedelic Psychologist, where I invite my guests to share stories about their psychedelic experiences. We cover a variety of topics from overcoming addiction and severe depression to finding wholeness and spiritual emergence. Today's podcast, you're going to hear from one of my guests, David, who has a wonderful story colored with a historical and... Present moment experience. We're going to talk everything psychedelics. David, it's good to see you. It's good to hear you. How are you coming in today?
1: Well, thank you. And likewise good to see you, Ryan. Let's see. Right here, it's the sun's just coming up where I am. That's a beautiful day. It's the temperatures are really pleasant. I'm it's just a great day to be alive. I love that. It's a great day to be
0: alive. Would you say that this beautiful day that you're awakening to has anything to do with the work you're doing with psychedelics, with the experiences you're exploring in your own personal healing? Yes. I'm going to tell as quickly as I
1: can, sort of a life story, arc. I love it. So I'm a professional physicist. Uh, modern physics is a psychedelic endeavor, just for me, at least the way the way things have been all my life, because quantum mechanics, general relativity, all these things really are mind-bending in, and it, it kind of echoes in, for me at least, a lot of the ways that the psychedelic experience is, that suddenly, if you take it seriously, suddenly there's some different perspective that kind of drops on my head. And so first experience, so I, yeah, I went to college, I went to a nice college. I went to graduate school, had a friend who I know from freshman chemistry. And then in graduate school, we were housemates and he's a chemist. And he was the one who said, Hey, there's this new thing. Have you ever heard of these mushrooms? <laughs> and so he had, he had some some dried psilocybin. And, um, that was you know, so, you know, he shared them with me and that was, that was my first introduction directly. And it was exciting. It was different. It was, I think I was already at that point pretty open about because of the, the, the physics study, I was really very open to the idea that, Hey, what your mind tells you, what your eyes and don't believe your eyes, and your ears, believe the math. And psychedelics kind of blew away the eyes and the ears, so it was like it, not not necessarily that that experience is truth, but that it it forces a wider perspective on what could the eye, you know, what could ordinary consciousness really, you know, how could you interpret what's really going on, you know, and very deeply, in in all the way down to who am I, why is it that. It feels like when I'm walking out down the street, I feel like this pair of eyes with a body kind of tangling below as, as the body does the walking thing and you know, all, all consciousness, all that stuff, that, that just became really interesting to me. I also remember another very early influence was I like to hang out at used bookstores and I found a copy of a Stan Groff book. Which one was it? I think it was called Realms of the Unconscious. So there was a lot of material there about perinatal experience, past life regression, things that are hard to explain in what most people think of as ordinary physics, but the stuff that I was studying, I was was a student of physics at the time, it didn't seem totally crazy. It was the idea that, that, well, time isn't what you think it is, is that's okay. We can work with that so can you tell me a little bit real quick and i apologize
0: for stepping on your toes can you tell me about the confluence and the merging of your physics background and this awakening and recognition and awareness of such as stan's work and different realms of consciousness how do those merge for you
1: it's not so much the merge for me it's the the experience really challenges, really pushes the envelope of how are my beliefs and my expectations? You know, it's just becoming aware of beliefs and expectations. And then that in turn, I think opens me up. I'm sitting on a chair in front of the table. I'm talking at an image on computer screen. How much of that is just my brain? doing what a human brain is supposed to, and then, you know, relaying that, that's really different from some kind of what I think is reality in a bigger picture, which is kind of what physics is always looking for physics. You know, physicists want to know what is the theory of everything? What do the particles mean? What do, you know, are you, are you better off thinking about uh, quantum field theory? Or are you better off thinking about multi-dimensions? What's the strength What's you know, it's the strength theory stuff. And these are all just ways of thinking about who I am and how, how am I, am I separate from the universe? Am I something other than what the universe is? Who is God? You know, the, I, I grew up in a very, very religious family and there was definitely in my family and my, in my parents, there's definitely an expectation that, well, when you die, if you're good, you get to see this guy named Jesus, and he's going to look at you, and he's, you know, if you were good, Jesus is going to say, "Hey," and I know that was a very real expectation for my parents, and it didn't fit for me. I don't, you know, it's not that I, how to say it, it's like it didn't hang together in a way that. I was willing to bet my life on. Oh. It, me, it takes something, it takes something a little bit more, something a lot deeper to, that I feel like I can rely on, that I'm, whatever I am, I am okay, even if I'm dead.
0: <laughs> That's a wonderfully surrendering conversation. That's a courageous and noble vantage point. When you reconcile the stories that your mother and father provided you, how are you making sense of that today in the comfort of all that you know and all that you've been experiencing?
1: Well, (laughs) I think so. For me, the main thing is to reimagine, re-understand the words. So... For my religious tradition, there is a profession of faith that begins, I believe in God. And let's start with that first. Well, the is pretty, you know, I, you know, what is I, what does it mean to believe? And I used to think about, and I think most people in a Christian tradition think about belief as intellectual assent. Like, yeah, you got that one right. And I, that doesn't what, at least in that context, in the context of a profession of faith, that just is not what I, the way I understand it, the way I understand it, I believe is it's more, I, I put my faith in that there is something called that is okay to call God. It's not necessarily, I mean, and and I also, we have a really big picture of how big the universe is. You know, universe is over thirteen billion years old. It's forty-four billion light years, at least just the part we can see across. So, an old man in the sky, floating around with a big white beard and a and a flowing robe, just isn't going to cut it for that anymore. So, yeah, there, there. I believe in God. I believe that there is a there is a creation. It's just. You, you know, the, the traditions have beautiful pictures. It's just that don't rely on the pictures, find a way to, find a way to blow up the pictures so that I can get behind that and never really expect to meet a deity face face to face. Does a deity really have a face? I think I'm looking at a deity right now on my screen. Your picture, not mine.
0: <laughs> Maybe <laughs> both. Actually, both is probably a good picture. Yeah. But, well, um, it's uh, Atman Brahman, right? And
1: the Hindu culture. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is. Thank you for sharing that. It, it's also the Holy Trinity. Exactly. It's, it's this
0: psychedelic work for me, and I'm hearing it echo from you, has exploded the doors of everything merging together, the ancient religions, the spiritual contexts, the physics, the physics that you are so eloquently versed in, they've now become this cauldron, this rich cauldron for psychedelic work. Are they not?
1: Yeah. And here's this human, me, who's trying to arrange it in a way that feels right. And especially when we talk about integration for me, I guess because of the arc of my experience, I don't, I've never done a thing like take psychedelics at a party or a rave or a music festival or something like that, that seems sacrilegious and as as well as dangerous. I don't like dangerous things that much. So um, definitely the intention there of exploration and. Integration is always there, even during the experience.
0: Can you tell me a little bit about that? I appreciate your reverence to the medicines. How do you prepare yourself in the area and the arena of walking in? And when do you know it's time
1: to use the medicines for exploration? That's a great question. So ever since my housemate, you know, brought home the the baggie with dried mushrooms in it after that i went back to the bookstore and i got a book about how to grow mushrooms and you know got a spore print and man that was hard it was it was really hard to grow mushrooms rather than mold and other nasty stuff and that's one of the reasons i so one of the things that emerged from that was i to me, it feels like I have a relationship with the mushrooms and cells that if I do things right, the mycelium will grow, it will colonize. And when it's ready, it will present some fruits and these fruits pop up and they say, Hey, let's play, we want to tell you something. And, and I realize, as far as the experience goes, that's, that's a big guide is that the mushrooms grow. I think also for me, the experience of cultivating them, of inviting them that way in kind of a much more extended period of time than just, hey, the dealer happens to have a new batch and I can go down and you know, plunk down some money for it. is really different.
0: There's a symbiotic relationship that you are inviting in and they are accepting an invitation and you are accepting their wisdom and
1: sacred knowledge. Absolutely. Not just the wisdom that's contained within the fruiting bodies of a particular mushroom. It's, it's a wisdom that infuses and (laughs) uh, makes the universe happen. It's just getting access to it.
0: Yeah. That access is so critical and trusting the, and being open to the access is what I'm also hearing you say.
1: Yes. How do you
0: present yourself? to be open to the information and what, knowing my love affair to integration, what is the information that you're able to digest and how do you integrate?
1: So I have a longstanding meditation practice. So studied with a teacher in, in a lineage Uh, that the main thing I'm aware of that I learned from that. Is the ability to just slow down enough to listen and not necessarily, not necessarily translate what I'm hearing into language. So that that makes it, we're using language to communicate right now. And that makes it a little bit difficult. I, get, I think the word is ineffable, right? So you can't, there's no way that human words or syntax will express what's going on. But I can accept that something is going on, even though I may not be able to make my mouth say the words for it. The embodied feeling is yeah. exposed. Yes.
0: Yeah. And you trust that emotion and body to give you information
1: from your experience. I trust that in a way that, so I'm, I'm the kind of person you've you probably already know, I'm the kind of person who thinks through everything and, uh, spreadsheets, calculations, high level algorithms, all that kind of stuff, but doesn't get me where the real wisdom from the psychedelics gets me. And the way I understand integration is, well, they do have to, at some point line up, it's, it's not good if the experience says one says do one thing and all the cognitive process. I have in my head says, do something else. That's, that's a bad situation. I mean, that that's basically an indicator. Hey, maybe do nothing for now, <laughs> just sit on this and see if one or the, you know, see if either I, I can mentally think of something a different way to a different perspective, or maybe the message changes and that's, but yeah, it's, it's, I believe that it served me well, it's helped me overcome a lot of challenges that. You know, from, from childhood from I hear an emotion coming up so, right now. What's yeah. the emotion? You're asking me the emotion right now is, is Yeah, so. as I, I'm listening to you and it's, it's awe. It's awe. And it's not awe at who I am. It's awe around who I can be in the universe. It, it, it's just astonishing, really. I, I feel astonished that so much is possible.
0: That's really wonderfully said. Do you find yourself being able to, as you just were talking about, integrating that into practical reality, into this material world, as you are in awe, what are ways you see yourself expressing gratitude to this awe, this universe,
1: this opportunity to be in this body? It's a huge help for practices like compassion. I mean, there are a lot of things in this world I do not like. I, I am not happy with a lot of people's behavior, especially people's behavior can be really disappointing in many ways. And yeah, what I'm seeing is a little bubble of, my head is finite, right? So it can only hold a little bit of perspective. And there is a bigger perspective where all this it really is okay right now. Even though people are being killed, people are being abused in horrible ways.
0: That's exactly right. And sometimes that's the devil's advocacy of this work. It opens up this remarkable compassion. And if we don't filter it or don't acknowledge the fact that some of the tragedies and suffering are out of our control, it can de-dehabilitate a psychedelic explorer to the point where I know I personally have been there where you have to kind of shut it off. So you're not overly exposed to the trauma, the tragedies and the suffering of the world that is
1: at the hands of other human beings. Oh, absolutely. And and I'm a total advocate of, I mean, I've heard among my friends, I've heard people say, Hey, if you're going to do psychedelics, you know, do the heroic dose first. So it has the most impact. Tell I'm not, me more about that.
0: I've, 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 I've heard that as well. What, what have you gleaned from that information? Because it might be necessary to put a public service announcement in prior to saying yeah. any of this.
1: I think that, so. At least based on what I Experience, experienced, I don't think that's a good idea for most people. I concur. And to get yeah. back to the
0: point of the heroic dose of. Yeah, or even I, I ayahuasca, guess, I, I wouldn't encourage anyone to dive into the Peruvian jungle for seven days for the first right. experience either, not because I'm a prudent psychedelic explorer, but rather it, it's okay to do it incrementally. There's all the time in the world
1: to explore these experiences. I agree. The story is that what I found was that even very low doses. So dosing to the point of just barely being aware of being aware that that the medicine is taking effect already, especially if it's combined with a good music track or with meditation or a, a visual a mandala. Uh, it it really brings up a lot of emotions that are that are challenging. And I think that's something that it, it I, I think of that as kind of like a being able to deal with that is like a muscle that that needs to grow. If it has Doesn't, if my awareness of emotion hasn't been challenged for a long time, it's not a good idea to think that, okay, I can scale the the mountain now, maybe try a hill first and see how that goes. That
0: feels right to me. That definitely feels right to me. Tell me a little bit about what you're actively integrating right now, as you're walking and as we're connecting today, what's percolating on your integration
1: process and your psychedelic Mm -hmm. exploration two major things. Well, major. everything's major, but so one is, is, is recent experiences, especially one very unexpected experience where I became my father and my father's life. My life has been really cushy compared to my father's. His was, he had war experiences that literally killed everybody else in his, in his group. So he's, he's a sole survivor and very traumatized. And, um, it was really interesting and unexpected to suddenly be, you know, suddenly become him. I had his hands, I had his body. And that was, as I say, it was unexpected and it's a challenge to stop myself from trying to make some kind of meaning out of it. Just let it be what it is. That's important too, because that had to have been, as you have
0: said earlier, words don't give it service or justice. mm
1: mm-hmm so towards and then looking towards the future explore friendships and develop a circle of friends who are also psychonauts and among that group everybody else participates in a an ayahuasca church and i've been invited many times and i said i just didn't feel ready and i felt like i'm the mushroom guy i don't do this other stuff and something shifted and so now i'm ready so i the next week that there will be a ceremony and I will participate in the ceremony. That will be a a new, a new territory for me.
0: What do you need to acknowledge before that ceremony and that new territory? What will be some active exercises you'll partake in before that?
1: Well, short term is, is the diet. So don't eat anything. I don't want to see again. And, but that's just, you know, kind of the physical side of it, the, the emotional part is, especially because this will be a a much larger group than I've ever experienced before in a psychedelic event. So I, I'm preparing myself for a different kind of experience where the medicine is active, the group dynamics are active. Some people will be thrashing and crying as they things come up for them and other people will be laughing and there will be an actual shaman around to care for us. And I'm expecting that that is going to be a really different experience. So that releasing my, releasing my sense of safety to the group, to the, to the shaman who's the leader there. And, and I'm actually looking forward to
0: it. What you're talking about releasing your safety to the shaman and to the group i don't think a lot of people acknowledge such as you're doing with so much integrity knowing that there is going to be a lot going on there's emotional energy physical energy and spiritual energy that in and of itself is quite an experience and so listening to you i'm reassured that you understand the magnitude of that surrendering aspect yeah,
1: in fact for me, I I understand the whole choice to say yes to that invitation is an act of surrender. I love it. I love everything about that. We'll have plenty
0: to talk about, I think, in the near future. Well, I'm sure we will. <laughs> Bring me up to speed with what do you owe the world of psychedelics? Tell me with all of this amazing information these spiritual experiences david what do you owe the medicine mushrooms the sacraments that you carry
1: it was definitely a lot of real psychological healing that i wasn't really it it wasn't my objective but then once i realized the healing it it made me look back and realize just how, just how limited my perspective had been. So <laughs> let me put flesh that out a little bit. As I said, my father had been a prisoner of war, and but actually, both my parents suffered the effects of bombing, invasion, combat, captivity, starvation, all those things. And so, for me, the the, the acting out of that, that, that I learned from my parents just seemed very normal. There's nothing to challenge it uh, other than occasionally somebody would say, why are you getting so angry about this? Why are you yelling? And especially it became really difficult in my married relationship that looking back, I can see that, man, I, I lived on an emotional hair trigger. I. If, if I felt like my wife insulted me or belittled me in some way, I had to fix that right away. And the way to fix it was to yell at her and demand that she, you know, that, that kind of behavior. And when that went away, when I was able to see that what she was doing, that the behavior that was triggering me, it wasn't an attempt to hurt me. It was, it was her own attempt to deal with her own issues. And she was, she was really trying to protect herself. She wasn't trying to hurt me. When that really got deep enough, the, 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 the fits, the raging fits, I, I mean, it's, it's gone. I, mean, I I won't say that nobody can make me yell or, or get really upset, but the threshold is orders of magnitude higher now. And sure. I, I can't think of any time in recent years that I've really lost it the way I used to lose it. I used to get a feeling of, this is when I was triggered. So this is be, be, in this long this couple decades long of no psychedelics, no, no psychotropic materials at all, other than caffeine. I used to have this feeling. I could get triggered by something that felt like a personal insult or a slight. And, and this is for several decades. And it was also, it was all, I think it was also acting out what I learned from my parents' behavior growing up that. I would have these, I would have this fit of anger, this fit of hurt. And what I felt was in my chest, this gnawing otherworldly presence that I had no control over. And it just demanded that I yell and rage. And, um, and, and it really feels embarrassing to look back at it. It's like, did I really do that? And yeah, I really did it. And worse than that, I had no idea that that wasn't normal. I had no idea, no appreciation that there was a way to not behave that way. And when I resumed my psychonaut, uh, so my explorations and it, and also the meditation helped a little bit, but not didn't, it didn't get anywhere near as deep as the medicine that I I can't explain exactly how it was, but that trigger just didn't happen anymore. And I, I had a different perspective. I, I knew that the person triggering me, especially if it was my spouse, was not trying to hurt me, was not attacking me, that I didn't need to defend myself, that it was just behavior that the other person was doing for whatever their his, his you know, their, their personal history was. And that is, that is something I am profoundly grateful for. Being you know, having that lifted, that need to protect myself by raging, by acting out. Yeah, that is that that would have been worth failing a drug test or two, and getting fired.
0: Well, and just the acknowledgement of the. Behind the scenes work that these medicines can do for an individual. I'm hearing it echo at a decibel level that is just so profoundly healing. This idea that it's so under the surface and just working its way into your cellular system, into your nervous system, and then you responding in accordance to that healing. It's quite a beautiful expression. Thank you. What are you doing to walk gently with yourself on the eve of a beautiful ceremony coming up and doing this work and walking? David, how will you interface with the medicine? When will you know it's appropriate? When do you know to put it down?
1: So for me right now, a lot of emphasis is on community. I, I, I'm going to the ceremony not primarily for the, the medicine, but primarily for the community and to learn how how larger communities can interact and heal. And um, I, my, my highest hope for the medicine and the support each other, that's my highest hope. Thank you.
0: How does David provide gentleness to themselves?
1: Well, this interaction with you, Brian, right now is definitely one piece of that. Exchanging with someone who uh, understands how big this process can be, how big the trans- personal transformations can be. I hate the word validation because it sounds like a parking ticket, but it's, it it rein- how about reinforces? It reinforces my belief that yeah, this is the right path. This is this is something that I really need, and I don't know what it is that I need. The oh, that's
0: humbling. That, that
1: is so humbling. I don't know what I need, but I will accept it when it when it arrives.
0: That's a breath of fresh air. It's a lot, isn't it? It sure is.